Amen. So let's, let's get into the Word today, and I, I want to continue to talk about God increasing our capacity, because I believe that that's so important. And I want to talk about one small but huge element. Not, by small, I mean, we just kind of say, well, of course that's true, but it's huge in that God doesn't do anything without, without people reacting in faith. I mean, this is what the Scripture tells us. Now, can God do whatever He wants? Absolutely. But the Scripture tells us, you know, when you read Hebrews 11, you read all these wonderful things that God did, God gives a bit of attention, not even though he's the one that did all the miracles, even though he's the one that did all the powerful things. In Hebrews 11, he says, by faith Noah did this, and by faith Moses did this, and by faith Abraham did this, and by faith Sarah did this. And he goes through these, and, and these people that are flawed, and these people that are limited, he talks about what they did by faith. Now we all know none of them could do any of what they, anything, all the things that they did, they couldn't do. Does that make sense? Am I starting to sound confusing? <laughs> it's mixed up in my mind. But, you know, everything they did was something that was impossible. That's why it says by faith they did. So it's God that's doing it, but he's doing it through people. And when God does something through people, I, I know you might feel like this might bump up against some religious bones in, in your body. But when God does something through people, he usually says that they did it. Even though he's the one that did it, he says they did it. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea as though on dry land. They didn't have the power to do that, yet they did it by faith. The book of Acts says the apostles went around healing people. Well, you know that it was God that was doing the healing, and yet God has no problem saying they healed them by the power of God. We can get in this fatalist mindset that says if God's going to do anything, he just does it. And it doesn't matter what I do, doesn't matter what I think, doesn't matter what I believe, but that just doesn't line up with the Bible. So if you want to be people of God's word, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to accept some responsibility here. That, that I need to get on board of what God is doing. And I, I've quoted this scripture several times in the past few weeks, and I think there's a reason God keeps bringing it up. In Galatians, when Paul says, how did God do all the miracles among you? By hearing with faith. How did he pour out his spirit among you? By hearing with faith. Hearing matters. What you hear, what you're able to hear matters. Now Jesus went about everywhere he went. He said he would preach and he'd say, he who has ears to hear, let them hear this. In his seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation, he who has an ear to hear, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. How do I know if I have an ear to hear? We all have ears. How do I know if I have an ear to hear? The question is, the question is not whether you have the ability to process sound. The question is, the, do you have the ability to receive something by faith? It says, how did God do miracles among you? Wasn't it by hearing with faith? Hebrews 3 talks about the Israelites being unable to go into the promised land. And it says they were disobedient. And it says, so that you see. In fact, let me, let me read it to you real quick. Can we do that? Hebrews 3, right at the end of Hebrews 3, moving into Hebrews 4. He solves the mystery of how these guys weren't able to push in to God's promise for their life, God's promise for their nation, God's promise for their kids. He says in Hebrews chapter 3, in verse... 15, while it is said, 
Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as when they provoked me. When you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. See, what we're talking about is a capacity to hear the voice of God and a capacity to receive what he had to say. God was leading them into something that they'd not experienced. God was leading them into a place they'd never been. And this is where we bump up against our own limitations. We bump up against our own religious systems. We bump up against our traditions, our paradigms. Here's where we bump up against our own limited thought, our own smallness of mind and heart. We come up to the point where God says, this is what I have for you. And we go, nah, I can't perceive that. So instead, see, every time God speaks, it demands response. God's word is so active, it created the universe. And so uh, if, if light became the moment he said, let there be light, there wasn't a conversation. It wasn't an argument. When God said, light be, light was. So every time God speaks, there is a reaction. Right? Today, God is going to speak to you. The question is, what's the reaction? You won't stay neutral, I promise you. That, that's a lie. That I can go to church and stay neutral. That I can open my Bible in the morning and stay neutral. That I can have a conversation with another believer that, that the Holy Spirit is speaking through and stay neutral. You can't stay neutral. It's impossible. It's like trying to ride a skate. It's, trying, it's like trying to stand still on a skateboard going uphill. You can't do it. I mean, maybe for a little while. But you can't do it in your spiritual life. You can't stay neutral when, when God speaks. So what is your choice? Well, either I respond to God. And I, and I let myself be transformed. I let myself be drawn. I let myself be led. Or I harden my heart. Your heart won't stay the same this morning. Is that okay? Your heart won't stay the same. How, the condition of your heart at the end of the sermon is not up to me. It's not up to, it's not even, it's not even God because I don't believe that God is picking some of you to receive. And he says, some of you, I just want you to go home miserable. I, I believe that this is for everybody. Question is, how will I respond to it? It says, Don't harden your hearts as when they provoked me. And he says, For who provoked him when they heard? Indeed, wasn't it all those that came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he would they would not enter his rest? but to those who were disobedient. And so a lot of times we ask ourselves, well, what was the sin that kept Israel out of the promised land? What was the great sin? And you might say, well, was it the golden calf? Or was it um, the rebellion against Moses' leadership when they said, we can hear it from God just as well as you can? Or was it this or was it that? The scripture's pretty clear. Because God is so merciful that when they built a dumb calf and said, this, will, this is our God now, this golden, you know, it's a calf. You ever looked at a calf and gone, man, that's deity right there. <laughs> right? You, I mean, I, you know, you drive by, you, you appreciate cattle, you love them, you're glad they taste so good, you know, all of that. But I've never looked at a calf and said, man, that thing's going to save me someday. You know, there's power in that calf. I, I've never thought that. But they're mimicking what they saw in Egypt. But that, God is so merciful, that didn't keep them out of the promised land. They're murmuring, they're complaining, didn't keep them out of the promised land. 
What kept him out of the promised land, he's about to tell you. What was the sin? What was the disobedience? Here's what it says in verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Unbelief was the problem. Everything else you can get through. Everything else God was bringing them through. But unbelief, that's where they stopped. They could not imagine that God could bring them into the promised land. In the next verse, it says, therefore, and I'm so puzzled that there would be a chapter beginning with therefore. I don't know why the translators did that. But you have to understand that the original letter was just one long letter, right? There's no chapter breaks. So just keep reading through chapter 4. Therefore, let us fear, or let us, let, let us let's take this seriously, in other words. If, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they did also. But the word they heard did not profit them. So that tells me that when God speaks, it's supposed to, it's supposed to make a difference in your life, right? It's supposed to profit you. It's, you know, this is, this is the truth. When God speaks, something should be better, right? It should profit me. God's word will profit me, especially if I, if I listen to it, Right? In fact, only if I listen to it. Here's what it says. Indeed, they had good news preached to us. We had good news preached to us just as they did. But the word they heard did not profit them because the preacher didn't preach it right. Is that what it says? No. Does it? Yeah. Does it say, well, it didn't profit them because there weren't 10 easy steps to follow it. Didn't profit them because it didn't come with a study guide. No, it says it didn't profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. You can have the most powerful message ever preached, preached to you, and it does nothing in your life. You can have the best Bible and the best Bible studies, and you can have the best Bible teachers and the best encouragers in your life. But if you're not able to mix your hearing with faith, now here's, what in the world does that mean? Like how do I, just so today, how do I mix my hearing with faith? Right? Because, you know, it's one thing to believe that. It's another thing to do it. So maybe you're sitting here going, well, how do I practically, you know, I'm in church today, so how do I know if I'm mixing it with faith? I feel like I am. Mixing it with faith, hearing with faith. Remember Paul said everything God's doing, he's doing through hearing by faith. So he's preaching, he's proclaiming something to you. Now he's saying, receive this. He's tossing the ball to you. You got to catch it. How do I catch it? How do I receive what God is saying? Because here's the fun part. Most often when God is bringing you from one season to another, or when he's expanding your capacity, or when he's causing you to grow, he will say things that offend you. He will say things that bother you. He will say things that your brain bumps up against and go, I, ah, I don't know. Whether it's bumping up against your own religion, whether it's bumping up against your own, your own sense of smallness of self. Like, I can't do that. That's what the Israelites said. We are like grasshoppers in their sight or in our sight, so we must be in theirs. Because they, 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 they saw what God could do as based on what they could do rather than this is God, you know. Joshua and Caleb said, of course, there's giants. And yes, there's bad guys and there's forts and all this but if God brings us in if God gives us the land we, we will have it and our enemies will become our prey 
Here's the question. So every time that God speaks, it's going to bump up against things in your life. That's how you grow. That's how you grow. If God's word never bothered you, you'd never be growing. You would stay exactly the same. It would always make you feel comfortable with where you were. I'm sorry. I don't want to always feel comfortable with where I am. I want God to lead me into new places. I want God to take me places I haven't been. And I don't know about you, but when I, when I feel unprepared, when I feel like I don't know where I'm going, that is when I am most uncomfortable. I don't like that feeling. I like to be prepared. I like to know where I'm going. And you just have to, at some point, go, do I trust my shepherd? Do I trust Jesus, the good shepherd, to lead me in places I haven't been? And to show me things I don't know. So how do I mix my hearing with faith? I allow God to say things that my mind is still bumping up against. But I go, I believe you. And I begin to act as best as I can, I respond to it. As best as I can, I respond to it. Even if all I've got right now is just to say, yes, Lord, I receive that. Maybe that's all I got. Maybe I don't know what I'm supposed to physically do with this. But the first thing I can say is, Lord, I receive that. Yes, okay, Lord, show me how to do that. Lord, show me how to walk in that. What, what is that? You're, you're saying, Lord, you're able to do this in me. I'm not able to do it. I'm not able to receive this. I'm not able to even process this. But God, I know you can. That's hearing with faith. You believe this is for me. Every, every time somebody gets up and proclaims the word to you, you say, this is for me. I've heard it a thousand times. It's for you. I don't understand it. It's still for you. I feel like this is more relevant to the women in the church. That's for you. There is not one word in the scripture that's just for one, a male or female. The Bible says in Christ there is not a male or female. He's given us roles. Thank God for it. But God's word is for all of us. So quit excluding yourself because you feel like you don't fit. And begin to say, I received that. I want to show you something in John chapter 16 that, that um, John 16, praise God, let's go to it. John 16 and verse 5, I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrows filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they don't believe in me. Once again, hey, there's the sin that we saw in Hebrews, right? The only sin that's going to keep you out of God's glory is unbelief. Why? I mean, come on, guys. If you believe in Jesus Christ, there's not one sin that's been able to keep you out of his love. You, when you know and you've come to him, you've repented, the blood of Jesus covers you, you, there's not one thing been able to separate you from him. But unbelief will keep you away from him, right? In order to be saved, you had to believe, didn't you? Yeah. Come on, guys. That's simple. In order to be saved, you had to believe. So the only, only sin that will keep you out of heaven is not believing. That's it. So here's what he says. The sin that the Holy Spirit's convicting the world of is that unbelief in Jesus. He's saying that's, that's something that they've got, they've got to get 
right now, they got to get it right, is they got to believe in Jesus. Then he goes and he says, and concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. So there's, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you righteousness. I'm going to convict you of righteousness. I'm going to make you know righteousness because I'm going to my Father. I'm bringing my blood before the altar. And I'm going to make you righteous. And the Holy Spirit is going to confirm that in you. The Holy Spirit's going to affirm that in you. Then he says in verse 11, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged, praise God. In other words, Satan has already been judged. And the Holy Spirit will confirm that in your life. Thank you, Jesus. I have many more things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Can you imagine being in a room with Jesus and he goes, I have so much more to say. And you're like, awesome. You can't bear it now. What? You can't handle. You, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. Yes, I can. I'd be, you all, come on, guys. We, we'd all be the one on the front row that goes, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Can we, can we acknowledge that there are some things that, you, you know, as smart as you are, as big-hearted as you are, as amazing of a Christian as you are, there are some things you're not able to process by yourself. So, so here's his answer. Here's, here's what's going to change. You can't bear it now, but here's what's going to change. He doesn't say, I'm never going to tell you. You guys are too stupid, you'll never get it. No, something's going to happen that's going to let them understand this. Something's going to happen where Jesus is saying, the things I have to say to you that I haven't said yet, you're going to hear them, and here's how. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you or lead you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take of mine and he will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So he's saying that there are things I can't say to you now. But when you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into truth. You know the word educate comes from the old Latin word duke which means to lead. To be educated is not just to be informed, it's to be led, right? So when you are educated, you're being led to a certain line of thought, you're being led to a certain worldview, you're being led to a, a way of seeing the world, a way of approaching it, a way of doing things. So often when we, when we talk about education, or even Christian education, we, we view it as this cold transfer of information. Do with it what you may. But when Jesus teaches, that's how he leads us, right? When, when, when Jesus went to um, the shore, he went to a secluded place, and the crowds followed him, they found him, and he looked at them, and he had compassion over them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, right? He sees them, and he goes, these are people that aren't being led. These are people that need a leader, but they're not being led. So what's the result of they're not being led? They're, dis they're distressed. They're dispirited. They're struck down. This is what the Bible says about these people. They're having a hard time in life. And it's not because God is not good. And it's not because the devil just hates them more than everybody else. It's because they don't have a shepherd. Like, you need someone to lead you in life. You need somebody leading you. And this is what Jesus says. I'm the good shepherd. And so when he sees them like sheep without a shepherd... What does it say? 
he felt compassion for them, and he began to teach them many things. How is he going? So he says, these are people that need to be led. How am I going to lead them? How am I going to shepherd them? He begins to teach them. That's what they need. They need me to teach them some things. And yet, Jesus is saying here, there are some things, there are places I want to lead you to that you're not ready to go. You're not ready to hear these things. When, you, when God wants to take you to a new place, he's going to have to talk to you, right? He's going to have to cause you to, to hear some things, to learn some things. He's going to have to speak with his voice. Jesus said in John chapter 10, the good shepherd, he, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. That's how God leads you. He speaks to you. And yet here's the problem is that God is speaking to everybody. We all know that God is able to speak to us. He speaks through his word. He speaks through the people he's put in our life, the leaders he's put in our life, the friends he's put in our life. He speaks to our time in prayer. He speaks to all these different things. He speaks by his spirit through our spirit. And yet, a lot of times God wants to take you somewhere you are unwilling to go because you can't hear what he has to say. You won't hear it because you've hit your capacity. You've hit your wall. That's as much as I can bear. What did he say to the disciples? You can't bear what I have to say to you. But when the Spirit comes, you'll be able to bear it. Do you hear this? You're not able to bear this yet. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to expand your capacity to hear. You're going to be able to hear things you couldn't hear before. You're going to be able to understand things you couldn't understand before. I'm going to be able to lead you in places you weren't willing to go before. Have you ever considered that God has things to say to you that you're not ready to hear yet, but he wants to get you ready? Like, sometimes when we say, Lord, you want to speak that to me, and if he were to say, you're not ready, we'd, we just think, what, well, what's going to change for me to be ready? Time. We're just going to think, well, if I wait longer, maybe I'll be ready in 10 years. Maybe I'll be ready next month. But I've known people I'm sure maybe you're one of them that have been at the same place spiritually for 10 years. We think that time fixes everything. Time doesn't fix everything. In fact, I've known people who have gone backwards. It's not about time. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about nearness. Right? If, if you're going to be able to hear it because of the Holy Spirit, then don't you think, guys, that there are levels to that, that there are, that there are, are, are areas in our life that we're, we're more open to the Holy Spirit expanding us, opening our ears, and there are areas we're kind of shut down to it. I don't want to handle that. I don't want to hear that. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to say that to me, Lord. And I know that we think of God as just this holy bulldozer, that he doesn't care what you think, and he just, he'll knock you through, and he'll say, you're going to hear it whether you like it or not. But... So often Jesus says, if you're willing to receive this, this is what I have to say. Isn't it amazing that God so often puts it in your court and says, are you willing to hear this? Jesus says, if you have ears to hear, hear this. He doesn't just say, you're going to hear it whether you like it or not. I'm going to shove it in your ears, and you're going to process it, and I'm going to hold you here like I'm going to hold your eyelids open until you see it. Like, no. He says, if you want to hear this, hear it. If you can receive this, receive this. And I have to be honest with you. There are things that the Lord has, 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 has spoken to me that I rejected the first time he said it. Maybe even the second and the third time. 
and I recognize, like, what's going to change? Because there, there are times, you know, you know it's God. I mean, it's, like, there'll be times I open the Bible, and it says it clearly, and I know it's God. Or, or somebody speaks, and you know that, man, that wasn't just their opinion. They said that from the mouth. That was the Spirit of God speaking to my heart. Or times in prayer when God begins to speak to you, and you go, I know that's God, but I, I hate what he's saying. If you guys are just so holy, you've never had that experience, then God bless you, but like me. And so what's going to change from now to the day where I hear that and I go, yes, Lord. I want us all to get up and we're going to walk right now. We're going to walk to Kid Scotty. Okay? No, we're not actually going to do that. But for a minute, for a minute, you're like, he can't be serious, right? Right? If we actually got up and walked to Kid's Scotty, that's insane. What if God told us to do it? But we're not actually going. <laughs> Karen's ready. We're not going to Kid's Scotty. But imagine if God said, you need to walk to Kid's Scotty. Take the whole church. Right? The first thing that's going to happen is that hits our, and we go, no, that's stupid. That's crazy. We don't do these things in church. We, we've, we've put a wall that says God can't say things like that. But what if, what if we said, let's walk to Mary Brown's? Okay, suddenly we've won a few more people over. <laughs> right? Not as many. Not everybody. Some people are like, I came to church to sit in church. I parked my car, and I'm going to get in it when we're done. I'm not leaving the church. I'm not going to get my kids from downstairs. We're going to finish this. Wrap it up, preacher. This is what we do. Some of you are like, well, if the Lord's saying that, then okay, let's go to Mary Brown's. Like, we all have a limit. God could, we could find out what your limit is. We could just keep expanding the radius and going, well, well, what if we went to City Hall? No, why? Why are we going to City Hall? You'll find out what's your limit to what God can say. What if I said, let's just all walk around the room? Right? Some of you are like, boy, that brings me back to the good old glory days. I remember running around the church. Some of you are ready for that. Others are like, no, I'm pretty comfortable where I am. Thank you very much. So it's not a matter of whether God said it or not, is it? Do you believe God could not tell us to go to Kit Scotty? Do you believe he's not allowed to say that? Because that's crazy because Sunday is two services and we sit down and we, we sing songs and then we're finished. No, we, but we've set boundaries to what God can do, to what we're allowed to hear. And really, a, a preacher is allowed to preach this long and preach this thing. Or, you know, in my prayer time, God's allowed to say this. In my Bible study, I'm, I'm going to go here and go this far. But those aren't God's limitations. Those are your limitations. What are, you, what are you willing to hear from God? There's a whole bunch he wants to say that will make you really uncomfortable. And the best things he ever wants to say to you are the things that make you uncomfortable. Because those are the things that will bring you into the promised land. We have to remember that the Israelites were perfectly happy in the wilderness because they had a food source and because they had victory over their enemies, what they didn't want is another battle. What they didn't want is another war. We're perfectly fine staying in the wilderness as long as, because now, I mean, when they first went into the wilderness, it was terrible for them. But now they've gotten used to being there, a little bit used to it. So they had to spend 40 years there. A whole generation had to die. I want to ask you a question. Does a whole generation have to die? For God to bring us in to where he wants us to go. Right? Because, I, I mean, I thank God. I love my son. 
But I want him to go even further than I went. But I don't, I don't want him to just have to, I don't want him, him to have to fill in all the gaps I left because I was unwilling. Let me read you something from John chapter 6. It's just going to hammer in that point again. Right? John 6, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people, and he's offended them. At first, they're his biggest fans because he gave them a free lunch. He fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000, right? And we're talking about 5,000 men and their families. We're talking about 4,000 men and their families. So now Jesus is the bread dude. He's the guy. If you follow him every now and then, you'll get a snack. I mean, this is why some of your kids come to church, right? (laughs) Come on, I was there. I remember it. Like every now and then you'd get that one teacher that, that gave you the special animal crackers that nobody else brought or whatever. And you'd be like, you'd just be hoping, man, I don't, maybe this time. And they're coming to Jesus and they're saying, you know, maybe he'll do this again. So they, they try to prime the pump. And they say, Lord, Master, Rabbi, why don't you, uh, why don't you feed us more bread again? Don't do that thing where you multiply the loaves and the fishes. He said, are you following me? Because I gave you food? And they start to get religious. Oh, even, even Moses gave us bread from heaven. Right? Like, you know, this is a thing I found in the Bible, so it must be true right now. And Jesus says, well, I'm the bread from heaven. I mean, that was super offensive. Hang on, what? You're the bread? You're offending my tummy and my brain right now. You're not the bread. He says, I'm the bread. If you want to even push even further, you want to be part of my kingdom, eat my flesh, drink my blood. <gasps> right? Suddenly the heavy metal music starts playing in the background, right? Friendly Jesus that feeds our kids is now a little bit hardcore. I mean, what? This is what he says. He says, truly, and this is John six fifty three. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you drink his blood. You have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. I've said this before, but this would be a great time for him to say, guys, I'm speaking metaphorically. Like, <laughs> We're even going to do this cool thing later with crackers and juice. You're going to love it. <laughs> he doesn't give him any breathing room. Just sit with that discomfort for a bit. And then he just keeps hammering it in. You know, he just keeps pushing. He eats my flesh and drinks my blood, abides in me, and I in him as the living Father sent me. And I live because of the Father. So he who eats me will also live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. In this short paragraph he's really you know offended pretty much everybody not only is he talking about what seems to be cannibalism but he's called himself the son of god he's basically implied he's the messiah he says the only way you're going to be saved is through me he's really offended every religious thing they've got and then he says these things he said in the synagogue like, these are things you should say outside, right? You were invited as a guest speaker. You don't, you know, I have certain expectations of guest speakers. If it's controversial, let the pastor talk about that. You don't talk about that. There's, you know, you, you can just, because guest speaker can just throw a grenade and run, and 
They're, they're in Toronto next week. They don't care. I got to deal with it, right? So I'm like, you know, just, just, just let the pastor deal with controversial stuff. Because the pastor's got to live with people, right? You got to stay. Jesus is coming into synagogue, dropping bombs like this, and just going, deal with it, you know? Many of his disciples, when they heard this, and I love this, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to this? See, what they're saying is, I can't bear what you're saying. I can't hear what you're saying. They're not saying, I can't process the tones. They're saying, I am not able to hear this. Who could? They're seriously saying, like, who could hear this? Jesus, you understand, we're your, we're your lo- most loyal followers, and we can't, we don't want to hear this. And Jesus says, so in John 6, 61, Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said, does this cause you to stumble? Other translations say, does this offend you? Because the word offense in the Bible, in the, especially in the New Testament, the word offense means to, to trip over something. Every time you're offended, you're tripping over something. And you go, I can't help if I'm offended. Yes, you can. You sure can. You can, you can help if you're offended by people. Yeah, you can. Love covers a multitude of sins. Are you going to be offended at this? You can, you can help if you're offended at a message. Sure you can. Does this cause you to stumble? Does this offend you? Is this what you're going to, this is what he's really asking. Is this what you're going to trip over? Is this it? Is this the point? Is this the thing? What's going to happen if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Like, if you're tripping over this, what's going to happen when you see my bare feet going up into the clouds? How are you going to deal with that? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning there were those who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he says, for this reason I've said to you that no man can come to me unless he has been granted to him by the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12, you don't want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter doesn't say no. (laughs) He just says, Lord, to whom should we go? Where, would, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. For this reason, many of his disciples withdrew. They drew back. They hit their capacity. They hit their limit. They, this is the point of tripping. This is the point of offense. I mean, like, come on. We, we know that Jesus is gracious. We know that he is patient. We know that he is kind. Why did he keep pushing like that? Why didn't he just let up and go, guys, let me pause for a minute. Let me explain this. Come on. Ah, Don't freak out. I love you. Come. At a certain point in your maturity, hear this, at a certain point in your maturity, God's not going to treat you like a baby anymore. And he's going to let you either receive it or be offended. If you keep expecting God and every leader in your life to baby you every time you get hurt. Now listen, I, I love you, and, and, and I need people in my life that love on me when I'm hurting too. I know. 
I don't want to be cold-hearted. I don't want to be un- you know, non-compassionate. I, I want to be somebody who reaches out and sees the, sees the one wandering away. But I also want to know, I want you to know that sometimes God is, is going to love you enough to say, you're able to decide right now whether this is going to offend you. And I want you to make that decision. Because the minute you decide, I'm not going to be offended, is the minute you're going to grow astronomically. I refuse to be offended by this. Lord, I can't hear this. I don't know why you're saying this right now, but I'm not going to trip over it. I'm going to hear it with faith. How do I hear it with faith even when I don't understand it? You know, here's the interesting thing. Jesus says, when he's talking about the parable of the sower, what does he say? He says that these people are not able to understand what I'm telling them. They're not receiving these parables because... They've closed their eyes so that they barely see. They've let their ears become, their hearing become dull so they they barely are able to hear. And their hearts have become hard so they don't understand. Isn't that interesting that Jesus talks about whether or not they can understand. He doesn't say they're uneducated so they don't understand. He doesn't say they're stupid so they don't understand. He says their hearts are hard so they don't understand. I want to tell you some good news about the gospel is that even the smartest people in the world, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, even the smartest people in the world cannot get to the level of God's wisdom without help. So he says the wisdom of God is foolishness. But even the foolishness of God is is wiser than the wisest of men. So it'll hit you as foolishness. So what does he go on and he says? He says, but God shows the foolish of this world. He shows the people that weren't. And what he does is he begins to reveal these things by his spirit. That's what 1 Corinthians 2 tells us, that we have the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, you can't get it now, but when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be able to hear this. So I need the Holy Spirit's help to understand the things of God. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 2, and we won't turn there because I want to get through this with, with good time. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 that the things of the Spirit can only be understood by spiritual people. And he says, God has things to say to you, and they're mature things. He's got wisdom for you. He's got, he's got the, the, the will, that uh, his will for your life that no eye could see, no ear could hear, no heart could comprehend. But God wants to reveal it by his spirit. And he says, these things we speak, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Literally in the Greek, it says, uh, speaking spirituals to spirituals. And so you can say spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Or other translations say, speaking spiritual things to spiritual people. And he goes on and he says, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual people because you're being immature because you're fighting and there's jealousy and there's factions and divisions. But if you could be mature, he says, a spiritual man appraises all things. There is an understanding that comes by the Holy Spirit. There's an understanding that comes by the Holy Spirit. And so my heart has got to be open. This is the first thing that, you know, you go, well, do I need to learn more? Do I need to take 10 more Bible school classes? What you need to do is you need to open your heart Because when your heart is open, he says, if they would open their heart, they would understand. He doesn't say if they get smarter. He says if they would open their heart, they'd understand. It is by the Spirit that you understand spiritual things. If not by the Spirit, everything God says to you is going to be foolishness. Just as foolish as when I said, let's just walk to kids' Gotti right now. That's foolish. Unless God said it. 
And we are spiritual people and go, if God said it, I can recognize that that's God and I'm going to do it. Now, you need to be discerning. Yes. I found that, I found that something, the best quality of, of Christians that are choosing to follow Jesus with all their heart is that they, they want to be quick to believe. Right? They want to be quick-hearted. Jesus rebuked the disciples on the road to Emmaus, the two that he was walking with, because he said, foolish and slow of heart to believe. So we don't want to be slow of heart. So we want to believe God right away, and that's a really good quality. What I want to tell you is be careful that you don't apply that to everything else. Because what I've found is that Christians can also be some of the most gullible people on the planet. You can't believe everything your friend sends you on Facebook. You can't believe everything that even somebody says on TV that you think has got a voice from God. You have to be able to discern these things by the Spirit. Right? You can't just swallow everything just because I want to be quick to believe. you got to discern it by the Spirit. And so I know on one hand I'm saying, let's not be offended by what God says. Let's let him stretch our capacity to hear. On the other hand, I'm saying this comes with maturity and discernment that you go, I'm not just going to swallow everything that somebody says unless I, I, let, I run it by the Word and I run it by the Spirit because they always agree. Right? And sometimes you got to process something. There are ways to hear by faith in a way that's positive, and there's ways to hear something you don't understand that's negative. Think about it this way. The Bereans in the book of Acts are called more noble than the Thessalonians. And the reason was, the scripture says, because they were searching the word to see that the things Paul said were true. Now, a lot of people abuse that scripture, and they think the Bereans are one fact-checking everything. Let's see if that's true. But in fact, the Bible says they were more noble-minded than the Thessalonians. Well, what happened in Thessalonica? What happened there in Thessaloniki? What happened in that city? The religious leaders rejected what Paul had to say. They wouldn't receive it. So the, the Bereans are not being compared to gullible people. They're being compared to religious people that refuse to hear anything new. What the Bereans did right was they said, that sounds amazing. I, I'm receiving that, but I'm also going to go see it. I'm going to go check it out. They didn't do it like, I'm going to fact check you. They did it like, let's, let's see if that's true. Man, let's see it. And then when they do that, when you do that with faith, the scripture opens up to you. And oh, man, you see things you never saw before. Like life hack. Every time you open the Bible, pray first. Holy Spirit, you're my teacher. That's what the scripture says. The Holy Spirit, he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. So, Holy Spirit, you're my teacher. I'm asking you to teach me the word today. Help me to understand things that are too difficult for me to understand. Lord, I open my heart to you. Speak to me. Allow me to see what I was not able to see before. Can I understand your word? And he will make wise the simple-minded. Because he's a leader. I have to be willing to be led into new things. You already have a capacity for what you're able to hear. And you know what? You join a church, and it stretches you a bit, yeah? They didn't preach this at my old church. Ooh, wonder if that's true. You get to a point where you're able to accept it. Okay, all right, I see it, all right. Now this is your tribe, right? This is my tribe. I believe this. We listen to this. We, we read these books. We don't read those books. These are the translations we are okay with. These are the translations we're not. These are the preachers we'll listen to. These are the preachers we will not listen to. You know, and you become comfortable in your tribe. 
you, are, you still have a capacity for what God's able to say, but you've just made this the bubble he can say it in. You go to a unity service. Pastor from another church says something. We wouldn't say it that way in our church. God's not allowed to say it that way. He can only say it in the way I'm comfortable saying it, which is the church I go to. We say it this way. Can we, can we, can we allow God to lead us with his voice, even when his voice comes from a direction we're not used to it coming from, or, or maybe in a way, or, or, or calling us into a place we've never been. Remember, all the pictures of the shepherd in the Bible are very rarely a shepherd sitting with his sheep in the same space. Psalm 23, John 10, it all talks about movement. They're going in and out, finding pasture. They're walking through valleys. They're walking to, like, the whole point of a shepherd is to bring you somewhere you're not. And he protects you, and he guides you, and he makes you lie down in these pastures, but he takes you from the place you are to the place you need to be. If not for the shepherd, we'd all stay where we are. So, Lord, would you expand my capacity to hear that I could hear things I wasn't able to hear before, that I would understand things I couldn't understand before. And I want to tell you this because you'll never get where God wants you to be until you're able to hear his voice leading you to that place. The Spirit will lead you and guide you in all truth. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit will just transfer information into your brain. He'll lead you in the truth. You have to be willing to be led to a new truth. You have to be willing to be led deeper into the truth you already have. You have to be willing to be led places you are uncomfortable being because you trust the one that's bringing you there. So I think in this season, I'm wrapping it up right here. I think in this season, God wants to bring us places and do things in our church that we haven't seen yet. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. He's already done that to a degree. But if he's going to take us where we've never been, we know it's going to be uncomfortable because we've never been. It's new places. We're not, we don't have the rhythms. We don't have the routines. We don't have the systems. We don't have the experience. You know how many times we lean on our experience and go, I, at least I've done this before. But then God wants to take you places you haven't been before. You've got no experience other than I have experienced the goodness of God. And I have experienced the faithfulness of God. And I know if he was faithful here, he'll be faithful here. And I know if he was faithful here, he'll be faithful there. So I trust the one that's leading me more than I trust my memory of this place because I've never been here before. But I trust my shepherd. I trust Jesus. I trust he's a good shepherd. And I know that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear because he's there. Not because wolves aren't real. Not because lions aren't real. Not because bears aren't real. Those are all real. But because you're with me, I'm good. So there are some things you can never hear till you get a little closer. Till you get a little bit more open to him. Till you let the spirit work in your life. So I, I, want, you to, I want you to be okay with saying, I hit a wall today, Lord. I hit a wall. You ever have the Lord call you to do something you saw other people do but you never saw yourself doing. Like, somebody else always was the one that prayed for people but not me, right? Somebody else was the one that always laid hands on people but not me. Somebody else was the one that preached the gospel. You ever have a bold friend that everywhere you go, they want to stop and evangelize and you're like, I'm glad they're doing it. And then that one day the Lord says, now I want you to do it, right? And then there's that point you go, ah, 
that's not my gifting. <laughs> well, you might not be an evangelist the way they are, but you are called to evangelize. Right. You have the ministry of reconciliation. It might look different than them. That's another thing. Lord, I've never seen anybody evangelize this like this before. Is this okay? Can we let God take the governor off and open up and just go, see, see where we can go? Now, we're not going to get off track with his word. Not going to get off track with his spirit. Not going to go rogue. That's the thing everybody's worried about, right? Like, I don't want to be weird. Don't be weird. <laughs> Stay on his. But listen, the, the point is you go where he goes. He's never going to contradict his own word. He's never going to contradict himself. He is one God, right? And so as long as I'm following the good shepherd, I'm, I'm staying true to him. He'll lead me places I haven't gone. He'll speak things I wasn't willing to hear, not even able to bear before. I'm going to be able to trust it. I'm going to be able to say, Lord, I want to be more spiritual tomorrow than I was yesterday. I want to be more open to your spirit. I want my heart to be soft so I can understand things. Some of you are clunking your head against your Bible going, I'm not smart enough to understand this. And what God is saying is open your heart and I'll teach it to you. Amen.